the UCP is starting to build a sense of urgency that I don't see out of the MVP. You know why? It just it just hit me. The reason that they don't have the same sense of urgency is because they're doing the same thing that they did in 2015. Jason Kenney is so bad that, that people have to realize how bad Jason Kenney is and they won't vote for him. That there were so... I know. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> but, like, one of the reasons why so many people were like, nope, let them, let them elect Danielle Smith because if they elect Danielle Smith, the NDP will win the next election. Welcome back to Women of AB Polly, your province, your problem. I'm Deirdre Mitchell McLean. And I'm Lindsay Amantea. Kathleen is out this evening and she's missing one of the greatest topics because we are talking about polling. <laughs> Everyone's favorite topic, every political nerd's uh, ambrosia, if you will. Right? <laughs> polling, um, polling gets us really excited. At least when we're really going excited. to get it. So when we're going to get it, when it's going to come out, we get super excited and then and then we end up trashing it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not foreshadowing or anything, but okay. Polling from Janet Brown, opinion and research, just came out this week. A um, couple of articles that we've seen so far on them. It seems to be scaring some people. I read a Rick Bell article that I retweeted, which always hurts just a little bit. Um, but but he's asking some good questions. I mean, everything's coming up orange. Everything is maybe, maybe orange, maybe, maybe orange. Maybe. Yeah, there's there's definitely some there's some reasons to not get too excited. And and I am going to keep uh, pushing that, even though a lot of people dislike hearing it. <laughs> Fair enough. Just to recap the poll, uh, it was a, a, a Calgary-specific poll yep. uh, that came out uh, showing uh, citywide support of the NDP at about 47% to the NDP's 42%, keeping in mind the uh, margin for error there is 3.1. Sorry, 40? 47 to 42 with a, with a plus or minus of 3.1, which means we're polling in the margin of error. Yep. Um, and and could uh, be a showing... statistical tie within the margin of error. Correct. And uh, and the NDP seems comfortably ahead, but in the northeast of Calgary, the northwest, the southwest to the, to a degree, and the UCP uh, are, are still holding strong in the southeast. Mm -hmm. And so that being said, uh, I'm now going to, in the nicest way possible, because I have all nothing but absolute respect for Janet uh, Brown, shit all over this poll. Um, <laughs> one of the things about polling, particularly political polling, particularly political polling at the riding level in Canada is we can never get a sample size large enough to truly be indicative of the feeling on the ground. Mm -hmm. And I say that because, you know, we're talking about a thousand person poll here. There are 26 ridings. And so if you evenly weight that through all the ridings, that's 38 people, right? Which means that any particular person in any particular riding is coming up pretty, pretty significantly. Um, mm -hmm. And their opinion is, is pretty significant, even when you wait for, you know, demographics. Age, gender. 
you're going to end up, um, particularly if someone polled is uh, not rep- not a not a good representation of of whatever demographic they've been skewed to. Like it, like if someone got me in rural Alberta, <laughs> and I'm not exactly. supporting the UCP, I am not really representative of my riding. You're not representative of your riding nor your uh, demographic, yeah. and so. You know, and we and we've seen this sort of writ large. There were some polls in the United States uh, during, I want to say, the second Obama campaign, where the one person they found to represent one of the demographic uh, markers was the mm. only person they could poll for it, and he wildly skewed everything. Um, <laughs> and so, all I am saying is that I take this with a spoonful of salt, and this is in no way to disrespect Janet. Um, I think all I'm saying is it is incredibly difficult to poll at this level, you know, and I would actually expect the margin of error to have been bigger, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, you know, I, I hearken back to some of the wonderful campaigns I've been on where our polling has not matched <laughs> reality. Whispers, Bill who? <laughs> hey now. Hey now. <laughs> I can't help it. I, I, that is that poll. And I'm talking, of course, about 2017 uh, Main Street poll that basically came out saying that uh, Nahed Nenshi had lost the youth vote, <laughs> that the youth vote was gone. It just, it dissipated, was not coming to Nenshi. He was going to lose the election and Bill Smith was going to become mayor. As I said, Bill. <laughs> okay, I'm going to I'm going to to throw out several several comments to that. One, of course, is uh, <clears throat> youth don't vote, and um, <laughs> no one votes in municipal elections. And uh, <laughs> Bill Smith, thank you. I'll tell you his whole name. There were some pivotal moments that happened after that poll came out. It came out saying that we were seven. Our campaign was 17 points ahead, mm-hmm. which I will tell you did not match our internal polling. Our internal polling had us up about 11. It's a big, it's a, it's a marked difference, um, but it's, we were still up. There were a couple of things that happened. I can, I can point you to the day we lost that campaign and the press conference we lost it at. And ultimately, and, and I think CBC has started putting this at the beginning of all of their stories about polling. Uh, it says, and I quote, as with all polls, this one is a snapshot in time. <laughs> and so ultimately all a poll is even if it is entirely correct uh it is just a snapshot in time and it tells so, us today not tomorrow us, not a month from now it tells us today if if it is even reflective of the truth of today right um and i'm i'm pointing out lots of lots of different ways that could be the case um and again your methodology matters your uh, weighting matters, your, um, you know, uh, how you find your participants matters. Um, You know, do you do it over multiple nights or is it all in one night? Are you capturing a true snapshot or, you know, with, as with this poll, uh, it looks like it was done actually over two different days in a a week apart. So again, that intrigues me because as we know, the thing that happened in the interim is all of these phone calls and all of this reporting on these phone calls right. with with the premier and certain individuals that we're not going to get back into. Um, so I'm always curious about 
all of those pieces and how that gets. And, and of course, I know all of this because it's readily published and I'm not just looking at a chart. Right, um, right. And, and so, um, but ultimately, all of those things are going to matter. Polling closer to election day is going to show either, um, you know, something more realistic. Um, but what you want, and, and I say this from a campaign perspective now, is you never want to be too far ahead, <clears throat> a la Bill Smith. <laughs> and, and of course, I will tell you the issue with that is because um, it it suppresses turnout or it just doesn't um, incentivize turnout because everyone thinks it's there's a it's a foregone conclusion. Right. So why would I go stand in line um, when I have better things to do? Um, the person I wanted to win was going to win anyway. Yeah, exactly. The person I want to win is going to win anyway. So, you know, me showing up isn't going to make that much of a difference. And you often see that in in writings where where the result is a foregone conclusion. You know, someone's polling so high that it doesn't matter if you show up or not. Um, and and of course, you know, that leads to and we can always talk about what turnout looks like and how that changes outcomes uh, in another episode, I think. But ultimately, you never want to be too far ahead or too far behind uh, in a campaign. Um, You want to be, I mean, my sweet spot, my sweet spot always is about a point and a half back in my opinion. And the reason for that that galvanizes people, it galvanizes people (laughs) to get out and vote. Um, I can tell you in 2015, um, you know, for, for better or for worse, I ran, I ran a lot. I helped run election day for Kent Hare. We were a point and a half or sorry, we were, we were four points back the night before and we won by a point and a half. Um, and so, you know, the turnout was what mattered and, and getting out to vote is what mattered in that campaign because we were so close. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that we just, you know, making sure people stood in line, making sure people showed up, making sure that people weren't leaving because the lines were too long, making sure that every single person got in to vote, that really mattered. I mean, we were picking people up at Safeway and driving them to their polls. (laughs) Um, And, and so, you know, and, and, and he ended up only winning by 750 votes. Right. Right. So, you know, it can be, it can be incredibly close. And so polling can give you the big mo momentum Mm -hmm. and so that's the thing you're going to want to build over time um because the the last thing a campaign wants is to start up and then lose it right right so actually this isn't a bad poll for the for the ucp in my opinion ultimately i think what this does is it gives them if they use it right if they market it right to their own supporters it gives them the ability to say do you really want an NDP government? You have to get out. You have to vote. You have to turn out. You yeah. have to volunteer. You have to donate. You have to make sure that every single person you know is getting to the polls because otherwise this is what's going to happen. Do you see this? Where in 2015, the outcome kind of surprised everybody, including the NDP. <laughs> um, this shows that they could do it again. And so you know conservatives have to work twice three times as hard to make sure that this you know for them that they get a good electoral outcome and i think in their case this is probably and again so from from the ucp's perspective from the campaign perspective this type of a poll is probably the best thing or sorry a poll that shows this sort of an outcome is the best thing that could possibly happen to them because 
something that I'm seeing uh, that that I think I'm seeing with the NDP is that they have a ceiling, that they have a ceiling of, of available support. And what they need more than anything else is to suppress UCP support. They need voters to stay home. They need voters to be upset enough that even if they won't vote for them, they're at least not giving their vote to the to the UCP. So, I mean, the so the NDP needs the vote to be suppressed and the UCP needs their voters to really turn out because they know people are unhappy. So so this this kind of a poll actually is probably very good for the campaign in Calgary. And not only and not only that, um, it's really hard to build momentum and sustain momentum when you're starting ahead. Well, okay. Right. Because the only place you have to go is down. Yeah. Right. And so again, just looking back to the 2015 federal campaign, you know, um, say what you want about Justin Trudeau, but he wasn't as bad as everyone thought he would be. And so just the fact that he was better than expected <laughs> built that the, momentum. Yeah, there we go. Right. The low you expectations. Know, started, yeah. The low expectations worked in his favor. And ultimately, if you look at turnout, and I find it interesting that we're talking about, you know, having to turn out a conservative vote, because typically, at least nationally, uh, in federal elections, conservative the conservative vote, the number of conservative voters who turn out is remarkably consistent. Yeah. Um, you know, you look back on on what happened in the 2015 campaign and from 2011 to 2015, the conservatives only lost about 200,000 votes nationally. The Which NDP isn't lost, enough to lose the election. In theory, mm. it shouldn't be. Um but the NDP lost about 900,000 votes, but the, the federal liberals gained 3.4 million. Right. Because people showed up. People were galvanized to show up. And so I think the thing that's going to be interesting in this campaign is whether the polling we have and what story it tells over time galvanizes people to show up and who it galvanizes to show up. Mm-hmm. because that's how you create your narrative um it's it's really how you how you build the story of of that outcome and of of that you know incoming government you know we have the support we've gained the support we're moving forward <laughs> Lindsay had a physical reaction after she said that just it's okay <laughs> Someone's got to move Alberta forward. <laughs> and it didn't work for the Wild Rose and it didn't work for the NDP. So why not the UCP? Why not? <laughs> I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. Sorry, but it's apparently we're all going to Sudbury. That's where that arrow points. <laughs> yeah, so I've been I saw that. <laughs> if it's, if it's, if the, if the new, uh, Logan and Slo- Logan logo and slogan <laughs> are superimposed on a map of Canada. The arrow points to Sudbury. Um, yes, yeah. the UCP slogan for <laughs> yeah. for for those who did not see it on Twitter today. Yes, yes, the UCP slogan that that was once a Wild Rose slogan that was also yeah. the NDP slogan NDP in 2016. Slogan, yeah, which I guess is really just Alberta's slogan for yeah. itself. Maybe 
maybe. Yeah, did anyone look to see if the PCs had used that one before? <laughs> I don't think we I don't think we ever did. Um, but I, I could be wrong. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't I wasn't around for, for all of it. <laughs> no, because I am younger than that. <laughs> Notwithstanding, tomorrow is my birthday. Pre <gasps> happy birthday. Yeah. Yes. I want my pie. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, so we've got the we've got the polls or well one poll. Of course we're going to definitely see a few more polls between now and election day. Um but one of the things that that I was looking at and and I I put this in the newsletter yesterday. It was only yesterday. One of the things that I was just looking at you know, kind of how this election is is feeling like it's shaping up, and we do know that for the most part, this is a this is a two party race, and it is. I mean, there's very little coming out of some of the other third parties. So, WIPA, Walrose Independence Party of Alberta, has anyone heard right. anything? It's still a thing. <laughs> it's still a thing. Haven't heard anything. Wait, didn't their leader have to resign? Uh, Paul Hanman. Wait, didn't they kick him out and he didn't know it for like a month and a half? Yeah, something like that. There's something some things like going, yeah, there's some things going on over there. And I'm just keeping an eye on Dave Cornier's uh list, right? And there's not a lot mm-hmm. of names in there. There are not a lot of parties being represented. Now, the Independence Party of Alberta. Mm-hmm. If you recall in 2019, it was 2019, they just all sort of showed up as registered candidates and poof they were a party now of course they've lost their leader because their leader was Arthur Pulowski <laughs> correct yeah so I mean there's things going on but there there are other parties in this province that we're not hearing too much about uh the Greens have quite a few candidates nominated actually and not exactly sure how that's how that's going to go but yeah until- so they have 30 candidates which is you know just over a third of of the province which i'm like vaguely surprised about um but i mean i don't and i don't know how much of that is due to the reinvigoration of the federal greens under none other than liz may again <laughs> again what's, yeah. old is, what's old is new again clearly that's the theme <laughs> of this week um and so you know we're we're looking at you know the alberta party still hasn't nominated anyone else since the last time we 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 recorded so we're still at 12 the liberal party has eight now 10 percent um and the independence party party independence party of alberta has five and the communist party has three so like good for them (laughs) wow the communist party is growing in alberta that's exciting like good for them i'm 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 proud of them um for for putting in some effort but i mean you 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 total all of the uh other parties (laughs) and not only do they not total even all of the seats in this province (laughs) um you know they're polling at a negligible number and by negligible i mean i think collectively less than one yeah yeah the other the other parties in the province have not really been polling very well which you know they uh western standard tried really hard to get whippa 
you know, included in polls. They commissioned polls where they actually offered WIPA as uh, specifically to offer WIPA as a as an option and people would go for it, right? So they they were actually showing up on some of the polls that Western Standard did commission. But yeah, haven't heard anything I mean, about them since. I would still be, um, particularly because we, you know, long ago done away with the per vote subsidy, um, if it ever existed provincially. Uh, I think that Canadians um, over time have just been very conditioned to vote strategically and I know we talk about that a lot um but ultimately you know you're not even gonna have the option to do that this time it's it's one or the other in in you know a, a solid Way number too of many ridings, ridings. yeah <laughs> in far too many ridings um and and you all know my my views on uh on a two-party system I am very pro minority governments as a general rule I think they do better uh, and I think they're more accountable yeah uh, good for democracy and there's but, something that uh, i would like to see more of just because i miss 2015 i miss the fact that we had i mean initially in 2015 we had the alberta party we had the liberals we had uh wild rose we had pcs and we had the ndp and i wish that that would have been easier for the um conservative or progressive conservative establishment in this province to accept because I I think that was that was good for it was good in general I think it's good for democracy I think I think what I would say is I don't know that it was necessarily the PC establishment that that didn't accept it I think that there was a a small um group uh you know in both the wild rose and the PCs who really wanted to where the parties meet and 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 all along the spectrum there's part there's there's spots where you know the the ideology does overlap Mm -hmm. whether it's between you know the former wild rose and the former pcs whether it was the former pcs and the former or the current (laughs) have not died yet (laughs) liberal party um sorry sorry liberals Uh, (laughs) sorry provincial liberals um but but you know what I mean there's always sort of that 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 squishy part in between where people and and you even see it you know the the calls for you know federally for the NDP and the and the the liberals to uh to merge which will never happen um but you know you, you you sort of see that across the board um the, these these spots where they they get they get uh they touch right. their uh and, and so i think that there was just enough people at that moment who were so willing willing to forego principles to um to win to uh, and, and in that in in that sense a lot of people you know part of the conservative movement because it really was just the conservatives fighting the conservatives mm-hmm. um had never lost before and they didn't know what it was like and so you know depending on on where you come from in politics i've lost plenty um i'm a liberal i'm a federal liberal in, in alberta <laughs> friends yeah that'll do it <laughs> yeah that'll do it and, I, and a former pc i i remember sitting there on on election night in 2015 going it's okay guys i've gone from first to third yeah, <laughs> this is the first time I've done that. Uh, 
and, and so I think really where I was going with all of this is the things that people are willing to say in a poll are not going to be the things that show up on the ballot. You don't, you may not have those options. I mean, if I could vote Renaster's party every time I would, um, but, <laughs> but that's not an option in my writing. Uh, and so I think as interesting as it is to see some of these things show up, whether it's WIPA, whether it's, um, you know, the green party, whether it's um, the liberals in this case, those may, simply may not be options um, right. for a lot of people, um, depending on on what it looks like in terms of candidates out there. And, and this is one of the reasons why I think, you know, in order to, in my opinion, be considered a serious contender for government for and, and to vote for, you do need to run 87 candidates. Mm-hmm. We're as close, as close, at least 44, at least run enough to actually form a government if you elect them all. And yeah. so... You look at things like, uh, you know, the the Alberta party running, they they have 12 candidates nominated. Are they nominating anymore? I don't know. Um, there, may, and, there may be a few. There may be a few yet. But, but how do you take that seriously? Well, and I think it's, you know, like we were kind of going through um, you know, previous elections in Alberta and what that kind of looked like while we had you know, uh, uh, what looked to be like an unstoppable PC government, we were going to have a PC government forever. And like, I went back, I went back 30 years. And so that was, I don't remember how many um, actual elections it was, about seven or eight. And so during that time, I mean, in 1993, that would have been the year that even just looking at it, I was like, that must be the year that Lawrence Decor was leading the Liberal Party. And they wiped out the NDP in Edmonton, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody voted liberal. Um, that obviously their numbers just steadily went down after that. But the NDP even still, you know, they were able to elect two, they were able to elect two, they four, back to two, four, and then 54, right? Like it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't something fast. Whereas when you look at the Wild Rose, what they had in 2008, or they were the Wild Rose Alliance of Alberta, which is, wah, um, but they were the Wild Rose Alliance of Alberta in 2008, they didn't have any candidates. No, no one was elected. They ended up with 17 in the next election in 2012. So, you know, what does it take to get a party off the ground? But I think, I think you're sort of, you know, missing the, the things that happen between elections matter as mm-hmm. well. And so it's hard to just say, okay, they went, you know, the NDP went from four to 54 or the wild girls went oh, from yeah. zero to 17. <laughs> um, there are, there are things, there are big things, big changes that happened in, in you know, in, in the yeah. interim, um, whether that was on the party side, whether that was, you know, the price of oil crashing, whether it was, there were some cataclysmic events that happened and and i think that it's it's fair to say that we've just gone through a similarly cataclysmic i can't say it now cataclysmic Uh, yes um (laughs) you know couple of years with uh with the pandemic with the price of oil becoming a negative number for a hot second there Mm -hmm. um if anyone remembers that day i have screenshots on my phone um (laughs) And, and so, you know, there have been some incredibly big things that have happened since the 2019 election. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how it plays out. But I think the interesting thing we're going to see is that the polling 
is going to be soft. I think is the word I'm going to use for it. I think soft rather than generous. I I, I say soft because I think there's going to be a lot of movement in between things. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, just saying that people, I'd be interested in, you know, seeing not only the support, but how strong that really is in terms of like, have you actually decided who you're voting for mm-hmm. or, or not? Um, you know, who are you supporting is a, is a question, but who are you voting for is a very different question. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see polls that simply exclude all of the third parties. Right. Because they simply aren't an option for so many people mm-hmm. that there's really no point in saying, you know, are you in Chestermere Strathmore going to vote Alberta party? Well, it's not even an option. There's no one on the ballot. Right. Yeah. Okay. I can yourself. See that too. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and so I, I think we're going to start seeing that um, as a trend in the polling itself. Um, mm-hmm. What I would say is I'm increasingly distrustful of polls that are IVR driven. Um, okay. Uh, and and for for those of you who aren't nerds, um, <laughs> IVR is interactive uh, voice recording. And so it'll be like, I'm calling from X research. Press Are one. you voting? Press <laughs> yeah. one for blank. Press two for blank. Press three for blank. Um, and so uh, and, and the reason for that is is a number of things. One is it does not account for um, people who are increasingly only use cell phones. It does okay. not account for, it, you know, it's very landline heavy um, mm-hmm. because a lot of the polling companies pull landline uh, lists and cell phone lists change over so frequently. And now that you don't have to change your cell phone number when you move amongst provinces, mm-hmm. um, calling every 403 number may get you a bunch <laughs> of people in bc or new brunswick or yeah you know whatever other whatever other place you're it's, it's it's increasingly going to miss out on um individuals who have moved from other parts of canada and have not changed their phone numbers yeah. um i think you're going it doesn't account for language barriers um uh and and you know finally and to be totally frank i think people are tired of them I used to play I with mean, them just to find out what they were going to ask next. Oh yeah, of course. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm happy as a, as a political to 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 listen to record it and uh, to make fun of it afterwards, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, and you know, and all of my friends will let me do them on their phones if they get them. Um, so you might you might be just getting me. Yeah. <laughs> It's just Lindsay again. It's just Lindsay <laughs> replying every single time. Um, but. I think increasingly and and part of it is because obviously over time we've gotten a lot of a lot of spam that way we've gotten a lot of other things that way um you know you have not in fact won a trip to uh to Disney World I <laughs> no I I just um, want to show up and sell you a vacuum I if, it, <laughs> if only it were someone trying to sell me a vacuum that I at least I would at least uh, uh you know love them in and have some lemonade but uh, I think realistically, people are just are absolutely tired of this kind of polling. I think they're absolutely tired of these kind of phone calls. I think that we're at the very beginning of an election campaign. And the, as, as 
you know, more and more polling companies um, or, or local candidates or, or parties are, are trying to do that same polling in that same way. Uh, people definitely get inundated. They get, um, there's a lot of election fatigue that happens over the phone, um, which is why you should go knock doors. And this is a plug for door knocking, everybody. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, we, we, we see waves of, of, you know, campaign tactics that were ineffective or polling tactics that were ineffective, becoming effective, becoming ineffective again. And I think that we're, we're starting to see sort of, I'm, I'm ringing the death knell for IVR polling. Okay. Um, I, and I, and I think that, like I said, is the closer you get to election day, the, the harder it is for that to be um, accurate. Okay. One of the things that, that I was sort of seeing with this potentially early uh, bump, so to speak, in Calgary for the NDP is with healthcare being the number one concern in Calgary. And so that should be the NDP's playground. But the economy is right on the heels of that. Um, sorry, it's 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 the next one, right? It's very close behind with uh, what what Calgarians are also concerned about. And because those are so close together and because of the fact that the UCP is still generally seen as the caretaker of the economy, uh, because they did a really fantastic job of letting... Increasing uh, global oil prices? Well, yeah, but nah, but people don't think of it that way, though. They were able to, I mean, when you listen to, when you listen to people who aren't really paying attention and you hear uh, the talking points back at you in general conversation, right? You know that they have set in. And one of the conversations you hear in general, com or sorry, one of the things you hear is things like the NDP, uh, you know, the recession was because of the NDP. NDP chased business away. That is something that people are still saying. And unfortunately, Calgary is a, an area where people say that. So what worries me about healthcare being number one, but economy being so close behind them, is a Daniel Smith 2012, except not where Daniel Smith is her own worst enemy, but where she's seen to be ahead. And then three days before the election or people showing up at, at the ballot boxes are saying, yeah, you know what? The economy is actually, it is actually number one. And then they give their vote to the UCP. Because I think the parties have been pretty good at saying, trust us for this. And people, I think, believe it. I <laughs> hate that that's a thing. Um <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. I'm just I know. Being I know. Angsty. <laughs> uh, I get this I reaction a lot. <laughs> I mean, people here's the thing. People vote based on a perceived emotional connection with whatever's going on, whether it's, you know, typically it's the party, then it might be the leader, it could be the volunteer who shows up at their door, which is why go knock doors. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> if I have, have that any, conversation, have, smile that smile. You know, smile that smile. Um but uh, and then maybe the candidates, which is why I'm sorry, all of you candidates uh, who are listening, uh, but you don't actually matter. You matter to your volunteers, but you don't matter to the general electorate. Yeah. And and so I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, we haven't really seen a, a, a platform come out of either party yet. 
Um, you know, the writ doesn't actually- I was going to say, technically, the writ hasn't even dropped yet. <laughs> Correct. So the writ doesn't drop for three more weeks, uh, two and a half more, two and a half, I can't count, May 1st. And and so, you know, we haven't seen a, a, a platform out of either party. Um, I'm going to be intrigued to see what they are stressing, because I think that it's going to be a very big tell on what their targeting is mm-hmm. and what their polling is telling them. where they have the most room for growth and the most room to to gain votes um and so ultimately um i think that that's going to be a huge issue um in so many ways do i just want to say the following and i hope everyone votes on the basis of i'm just gonna (laughs) screw everything up the ndp is not that good on healthcare, and the ucp is not that good on on the economy right none of that is true (laughs) none of it is true all of these things you deeply believe uh, yeah. None of it is true. Absolutely none of it. And so, you know, to that to that extent, I, I just I, like like many other fallacies, um, none of that is true. And so, um, it's deeply hurtful to me that people still think that way. I know. I think I'm interested to see again what we see in the polling as the narrative, because. And and remember too, the people who answer polls are also the people who generally vote. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't always have to be the case. Young people, please go and vote. The narrative building, though, it does also remind us how important that is. Because what I would like to see in the polling sort of going forward is more dimensionality to the questions mm. um, and to the responses. Because I, I <laughs> as a political human um you know (laughs) it helps it helps to give us color for you know more than just saying okay this is this is the outcome it's it it would I think it would help to show sort of how like I said how softer firm those votes are where where there's room for movement how that's going to move um you know it gives you ideas about how you can who and how you can move people um and and I'm just going to say one thing here wouldn't that be something that a pollster might do, but they're not going to put that out publicly because that is what is for sale. <laughs> if you want to know where that your is entirely are. accurate, but I <laughs> am not buying things and I would like to know it also. <laughs> yes. I have had some ideas about, you know, offering to volunteer for certain polling people. So, I mean, I would absolutely love to to sit in there. And I was actually talking to someone recently about how, you know, being on the doors is thrilling for me. It does make me not the best door knocker because I actually do want to have these conversations. If you tell me that you're voting for this party and I'm not door knocking for that party, I still want to know why. <laughs> so I'm a horrible door knocker if you're just trying to get through the riding really fast. But I'm there to actually because people are willing to talk. Right. This is why I'm supporting this party. And you're like, tell people me more about this stuff. <laughs> like people who are willing to like have a conversation who answer the door are willing to have that conversation and we'll have it with anyone because there's probably no one in their life that will actually listen to them talk about it. Yes. Um, I, I can tell you is like the person everyone knows as political. Um, <laughs> you get called. There's nothing I there's nothing I want less at a party than to talk about politics if that's what I've done all day. And uh, so, so you need me, people, and then you can push them all yeah. to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you stopped showing up to my parties, so it was um, bad but, days. But, <laughs> bad days, but you know. So it's people love to talk, um, but 
you know, that sort of brings me to another point I, I really wanted to make, which is I love listening to people who like look at polls and then go, that can't be true because my friend said so-and-so. Um, right. and, and The anecdotal evidence. Anecdotal evidence, which is the bane of my existence. I'm getting such a great response on the doors. You're a candidate. No <laughs> one, we're, we're a polite society. No one is going to tell you they're not voting for you. Um, I can tell you as someone who's done a lot of campaigning, I don't mark positive IDs to a candidate as actual votes. Oh. <laughs> because people are just too darn nice in this country. <laughs> um, you know, that being said, if someone tells a candidate they're straight up not voting for them, I take that at their word because right? if, you, <laughs> if, if, you have, if you have the chutzpah to... Uh, to, to tell a candidate to their face you're simply not voting for them, I will take you at that. Candidate IDs are useless. And so I can appreciate that a lot of candidates, and, and, and I think it also plays into, um, you know, the inability of some candidates to realize how badly they're doing. Um, right. How can these polls be correct? I'm doing so great at the doors. <laughs> sure you are. Um, and you know what? I, I campaigned, or I was on the doors with Derek Fildebrand in 2019. People kept saying, yeah, I know, people kept saying they were going to vote for him. They were absolutely going to vote for him. And I was really shocked because I was just like, honestly, like, and only one person, okay, there was one person who said, I've been following you over the last few years and I am not voting for you. <laughs> so there was that. that at your word. <laughs> yeah, there was that guy. And then there was the there was the NDP voter who opened up the door, saw Derek, and slammed the door again. <laughs> so, realistically, it comes down to um, people will lie to you to save your feelings. <laughs> um, and no, like, but legitimately, except like, on yeah, in face to face, white lies. People, pe little white lies, because they don't want you to feel bad, and mm -hmm. you know. It, it takes a lot to put your name forward, no matter what party it's for, um, and to put yourself out there and to, you know, to open yourself to a degree of ridicule and, and to wearing some egg on your face for things that you weren't involved in, um, right. especially if your leader makes uh, stupid remarks, um, you know, in the middle of a by-election. Um, <laughs> not saying that from experience or anything. No, it doesn't um, sound like it. I, all I'm saying is be incredibly wary to all those campaigners and all those volunteers and to all those candidates out there, be very, very wary of experiences that are dramatically at odds with what the polling is saying. Right. Um, because, because um, people <laughs> will lie. Well, people will lie or yeah, yeah you might've turned them, but you can only get to so many people, um, you know, in the short, unless you've been door knocking for the last two and a half years um and and or unless you've got a a campaign or sorry a, a campaign team that is you know incredibly large and able yeah, to get the size to all of, of the doors. size of a high school like yeah. like literally you need a mm -hmm. large team yep um you know just be very wary of that anecdotal like evidence base yourself in what is really coming back what is coming back from the volunteers what is actually happening in the polling, because at the end of the day, campaigns are won and lost generally on the provincial scale. I'm totally ending it there. Um, <laughs> we, 
We are back next week and every week until the election. We're pretty sure that it is going to, that an election will be called May 1st. Danielle Smith has said that, but Danielle Smith has said a lot of things that she's decided she doesn't want to talk about anymore. We will be back again next Thursday. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you.